and welcome into episode six of the Hog in the Mic podcast, hosted by myself, Will Colossa. Today, I'm here with uh, my old baseball coach, Scott Hiller. Uh, so he coached me from for, I believe, seven years, um, from second grade up until uh, freshman year of high school. So, um, Mr. Hiller, I'll, like I said, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself a little bit more. Well, I think you did a good job of it. I had the great privilege of being able to coach you. And of course your dad was there and you know, your whole family wound up in the dugout more times than not. So um, yeah, yeah, that's stated it accurately. Very good. So um, I know that you ended up playing baseball at a fairly high level. Um, what do you think? Sorry. Do you think that um, playing baseball was one of the main things that kind of helped you grow as a person? Oh, without a doubt. The, the town I grew up in was nine miles outside of Manhattan. And and so it was uh, very much a working class town. It, it had a lot of inputs from places like Jersey City and Bayonne and Edison. And they were all tradespeople. They were used to working with their hands. They were very, very hard. And playtime for us in general was about a sport because those people kind of viewed the world as, you know, if you're not working for a living, then you better be doing something where the work you put in is going to give you something of value uh, on the other side. Yeah. And so, you know, their expectations when you were on the field were very, very politically incorrect by today's standards. They weren't shy about calling you out. They weren't shy about calling you out in front of your family. And God help you if you did get called out in front of your family, because what you were going to deal with when you got home was a lot worse than getting called out on the field. So they didn't have technique. I'm, I'm sure thinking back, a bunch of them were World War II veterans or Korean War veterans. Okay. I, I don't know what their traumas were, Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't take much for them to fly off the handle if you mm -hmm. weren't performing. And so that's what you had. Yeah. And, and you either stepped up to it and you you learned early to put your very best on the field or you didn't get to do it. Yeah. It, you know, it was not a privilege by any stretch of the imagination. And, and you, know, you were expected to take care of your equipment. Uh, if you broke your wooden bat too bad, maybe you could borrow one, but it wasn't like that stuff grew on trees. It mm -hmm. was, um, it was a, it was a, tougher time in terms of values yeah but and you truly learned you yeah. you you, either, you learned you either perform or you don't get to mm -hmm. and i can say you know from experience that um not i would say to the harsh degree but a lot of those same uh sentiments you you know um pass down i guess on onto our teams like that a lot of that stuff i would um i would say you know i i got from playing on on your teams as well like is that something that you were um conscious about or you know was that something that you felt was important to to pass down i think it was important to pass down i mean the i think probably one of the best ways to to honor the people that spent time on you because that's what they did yeah is is to kind of pass along the best of what they gave you and, and hopefully that next generation will get it. And we tried to make it more fun, certainly. 
Yeah. And I'm sure you remember some of the drills that were borderline insanity, but <laughs> you, you know, when we got through them, y'all were getting better. And, yeah. and I think the only thing that I wanted you to come away with was having the knowledge that in that moment, at that time, you put your absolute best on the field, trying to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. And, and in doing right for you, you did right for the team and the team doing right did right for you. Yeah. And, and I think that was, was kind of the biggest focus. I know that was something that we talked about. We talked, you know, the coaches always talked about how do we, how do we make the team better? And, and behind the scenes, there were plenty of times when the coaches got after each other because we made mistakes and we didn't do right by you. And that was something you never saw. Yeah. Um, but, but there's, you know, clearly, you know, that coaching staff, you know, there's no lack of opinion on that coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, but it always, you know, if we jumped on each other, we jumped on each other because we failed to do what we should have done to maximize what you guys were doing. Yeah. And so we were always pushing each other. How do we make this better? How do we get smarter? What do we do? Um, and, and it's nice to know that some of that kind of made it through to you guys. Yeah. So, Definitely. Do you, do you think looking back that you did it the right way? Like, are you, would you say that what you did was uh, in the end successful? I, well, I don't think any of you are in jail. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that all of you have taken really big steps forward in your lives and, and function with a very high degree of self-confidence uh, and willingness if we just measure it by the baseball, yeah, out of that team, 14 of you have wound up playing in college. Yeah. Wow. I... Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, if you think about all of us, you, you and, and four or five others, six others were really the core that were there from the very beginning, from the River Cats all the way through the end of Cup Health um, Baseball Club. Yeah. But all those other ones that, that kind of were there for a couple of seasons or moved on, you mm-hmm. know. 14 of you have, have played in college at least one season. So I think we accomplished something. Yeah. Um, And, and I hope we did it right. I think there's different ways of doing it right. But I, I think what we clearly communicated was we were going to ask you to perform. You had the right to ask us why we were asking you. And then it became sort of benign tyranny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, if you're going to get it done you're going to get it done if you're not don't come crying to us but yeah we also we had the support of all the families and and i don't think that can be um lessened by any stretch I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know you know what north texas baseball is like and you know how mercenary families can get and how easy it is for uh, teams to get torn down mm-hmm. and and you know, we communicated a lot but we had the support of the families and, and that let us be focused not on what was going on in the stands and completely focused on what was going on with you guys. Yeah. So um, that's kind of interesting because I know my dad has, I've talked to my dad a lot and he said that, you know, when he grew up playing baseball and and he didn't, you know, he just played on like his, um, oh, what do you call it? Like the park district team. So it was not a very competitive um, environment, but he always said that, you know, fit, um, when he played the like parents were never there. Like you never families were not involved much at all. Was that something that was true for you as well? Like when you were playing were there, was it so um, 
were families involved like they were, you know, on the teams that I was playing on? No. Okay. But every game they showed up. Okay. So, so in, in that, those towns in, in New Jersey, they're small. And, and if you look at Bergen County, New Jersey, it's very, very densely packed. There's a lot of small towns. And a lot of those families never leave. So, but they'll move from town to town, right? And it okay. gets very, very, the dads, and, and in some cases, the moms, still kind of stayed competitive in a very blue collar type of way, you know, in terms of being proud of your team and proud of your town. Yeah. And, and so you had this, this funky kind of dynamic because, you know, we walk on field with, with our team and we may never see those teams again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here you went to school with the same guy that was in your face mm. for five days before you got to get on the field and play against him again. Gotcha. And, and, you know, the, you had that competitive fire. And then yeah, if you had a situation where your dad played against their dad in high school, it okay. stoked up even more. Right. Yeah. So you had this, you had this really confrontational thing, hiding behind competing as hard as you possibly could. Okay. As if, as if your family honor and integrity was hanging on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which at the end of the day, I think you have to get by. Yeah. You got, if you're going to be on the field, you got to be on the field for a reason. If you're going to spend your time, you got to be there. Right. So out of, but you had your parental support. If you were pouring everything into it, those parents felt the obligation to be there for you because you were pouring everything into it. Mm -hmm. Right. And in some cases they were getting to do what they didn't get to do. Yeah. You know, again, it just comes back to their, these people were working. They were, they were hourly wage workers. If they got overtime, overtime came first because that's what kept the roof over your, yeah. head, your head. Very, very few people went to college. Mm -hmm. uh, college was not a given. College was a privilege. You killed yourself to get to college. Yeah. So, you know, practices, no, no parents were ever there. Nobody ever hung out. You never saw chairs on the sidelines. And in fact, the coaches would say, go away. Okay. But, but come, come those game days, at least one parent would be sitting there and the stands were always full. Mm. So you always had a crowd watching you. And gotcha. the expectation was they're there to watch you because you're there to perform. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back to, you know, the teams that I, I was playing on that you were coaching, um, do you think that there was, was there something that you did or that you as the coaches tried to, uh, you was there a message that you tried to get across to parents that allowed it to be so um, supportive and I guess like harmonious as opposed to you know some teams that we've seen where you know par every parent is yelling at you know after every pitch like was was that a um, a conscious effort? Well, the great benefit that I had was you were the third team. Okay, so so Chris and Brendan were were before you and Sean. Mm. And we learned, we learned with everything. Yeah. Um, with, with Chris's teams, there was select baseball only came into being when he was 11. Okay. So it didn't exist before that, which made the city league here 
insanely competitive. And then it hadn't really penetrated. It was, it was almost like it was um, sort of, you know, the select team was, was not really all that open to be honest. Okay. So when Brendan's teams came along, the, the, the Capel city league was still insanely competitive. And, and there are kids, there are kids that, that made the high school team that never played anything other than Capel rec because of how competitive it was. Gotcha. And so the problem was that the city up until, you know, once even like age 11, they still had restrictions, run limits, drop third strikes, things like that. Gotcha. We won the city league. Our team won the city. Brendan's team won the city league championship when he was 10. And then we had the all-star team was a terrific team. Okay. Absolutely terrific team. And and from there, several guys went on to college ball too. Yeah. And we went to, we went to the CBA and we said, you know, we, if these kids are going to play high school, we need to be able to be playing up mm-hmm. and we need to be actually playing real baseball. And they said, no. So we left and we went to Carrollton and Carrollton yeah. had the pony league at that time would reset the competitive grid halfway through. So if you were getting your head handed to you in the very competitive league, mm-hmm. they dropped you down to competitive. And if you were winning the very competitive, they moved you up. Okay. So you had a lot of guys that were like me as a head coach where we were not going to prevent the CBA organization from preventing us from preparing our kids for what we felt high school was going to be about. Okay. Right. So we started, we, we almost became a track, you know, traveling select club. Okay. And we started looking for other tournaments and other leagues that were competitive like that. And then the CBA asked us to come back. Gotcha. Um, and, and then be Coppell Cowboys white. Mm-hmm. And we beat the red and the black team. Yeah. And then they told us, um, you know, they had some words about that and what they wanted us to do. And we left again okay. because they wanted us to change the rosters and things like that, which was something that happened with your team too. We came back mm-hmm. and we, we won a lot. And then yeah. they asked if I would become the head coach of the black team. And then they started talking about rosters and I said, you know, no, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to tell me what kind of roster I'm going to have or what kind of athletes I'm going to pick. Yeah. And, and we left again mm-hmm. and we never came back. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we didn't start off as select clubs. All these kids came out of wreck. You guys came out of wreck. Yeah. So it wasn't like we got the chance to do some sort of a big pick mm-hmm. and, and, you know, in theory, get the top 10 or the top 12 we got what we got. Yeah. And then we just set about saying, okay, if you've got the desire, then we're going to pour into you guys and see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the basis of it. Yeah. So I guess maybe I didn't make the connection there, but what do you think was the message to the parents or, or Oh, like- I'm sorry. Yeah. We, we got off on that and you're, you're right to pull me back. Gotcha. Um, the message to the parents was get out of the way. Okay. Um, we're going to tell you what you're, what we're going to do. If you don't like what we're going to do, speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think you can do it better then I expect to see you on the field with a bat. Gotcha. And, and I mean, I think you can probably recall, there were a lot of practices where there were a lot of parents yes. just doing nothing but hitting ground balls. Yeah. And, and that was the whole thing was repetition, repetition. So 
maybe you can't throw, maybe you didn't play a whole lot, but if you can hit a ground ball, get a bucket, pick mm -hmm. a kid and start making them better. Yeah. And, and so that, that kind of created a shared sense of what we were trying to accomplish. And, and, you know, as you guys started winning, um, tournaments and stuff like that, I mean, I'm sure you remember people didn't leave after the games. We all went out as a whole team Yeah. and everybody hung out together. You know, I mean, you guys would be at one table, the parents would be at the other. And um, there were no animosities. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of kids that unfortunately I had to let go because I had to get rid of their parents. Mm -hmm. They were getting toxic. Yeah. And they were having too much to say. And the negativity was spilling over onto the kids and it was making it into the dugout. And, gotcha. and you know, you, we weren't about that. Mm -hmm. um, the adult part of, the, the the adult bullshit was not allowed to get into the dugout and influence what you kids were getting the opportunity to do on the field gotcha. in terms of your development. If, yeah. if there was stuff to be said, it had to be said away from you kids. It had to be said eyeball to eyeball. Mm. Um, if, if it was the kind of situation where, you know, the emotions of one coach or another coach were running a little bit high with respect to that parent, a different coach stepped in. Mm. And we tried to solve it because we made it about the kids. Yeah. And the parent and the parents knew that, you know, we weren't a pay for team. So it wasn't like we were eating by what your parents were, you know, your parents weren't writing checks for us to eat. Yeah. So that platform was explicitly about the kids that wanted to be baseball players. Gotcha. Very cool. And, and the parents were asked to either, you know, go along with that. Mm -hmm. And if they felt that they needed to take their kids someplace else to give us you know, don't, don't screw the team over by deciding to leave right before the season happened. Yeah. And that happened twice. And that kind of put us in a little bit of a bind, but we wound up, you know, up until the end, we wound up being able to adapt to that. Um, and, and still, you know, put the right group out on the field that was going to be competitive. Yeah. So, um, like you said, we did have, um, Oftentimes there were, you know, X person's dad was out, you know, hitting pop flies or, you know, uh, catching for pitchers or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, did you ever have to, like, were there ever, ever times where you saw someone doing something that, you, you know, maybe there was a parent who came out to, you know, try to help, but um, you saw was doing something possibly detrimental to development of, of the players or anything like that. And how, like, how would you go about that? I guess. If somebody was there to help and to be part of helping not only their child, but everybody else's kid get better. Mm -hmm. It's not up to me to say no to that because yeah. then I'm taking something away from that parent's experience with their child. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I know for the dads that, that were around when I was growing up, yeah, it was everything yeah. um, for them. In, in some cases, again, you know, they didn't get to do that. So that, that part of foundational upbringing came along. So, yeah. yeah, if somebody was instructing the wrong way, I never would say you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. I'd pay attention. And then I would send out an email to everybody that would say, this is what we're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. and hope that they would be smart enough to read it. Gotcha. And then yeah. if they were, 
you know, if they couldn't hit and it was obvious they couldn't hit. Okay. I'd tell them, here's what we're going to do. And I'd pull you guys in. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden the parents are throwing you one hoppers. Gotcha. Right. So I would channel their effort into the right way of doing it within the scope of their capabilities. Uh-huh. Or there you- were some parents that never hit fly balls because they would have killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> then you just tell them to get a big uh, trampoline net looking thing. Yeah, we did all sorts of stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, anybody that wanted to to be part of their their child's experience mm-hmm. was welcome. Yeah. But 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 it's just like anything, you know. I mean, if you're having brain surgery, you really don't want the veterinarian holding the scalpel. <laughs> yeah. But the veterinarian can probably draw blood. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's it's just how do you how do you use that and how do you create a positive environment for those kids? Because you know, I mean we had three kids on the team that were severely dyslexic. Mm. We had a couple others that were ADD. Um, we had a couple others that, that had medical issues that we had to pay attention to. Right. So it was going to be hard work to develop yourself, mm. but it shouldn't be something that was adding more stresses to what the kids were dealing with. So we, we kind of said, you know, this, it's got to be fun. It's going to be tough. Mm but it's got to be fun and it's got to be a refuge for these kids. Gotcha. You know, I mean, I, I know for the dyslexic kids, you know, sometimes they would come to practice really frustrated because it was reading out loud day in school. Mm. It's not up to me to make them feel worse. Yeah. It, it, it's up to us to create an environment where they said, you know, thank God I can't wait to hit mm. and, and to give them something that just was a reasonable outlet. At some point, it becomes harder when you start loving the game if you want to play it in high school and play it beyond. Mm. But when you guys started, it was all about you having something to do that you love that was an outlet. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so one of my uh, next questions is, what was the biggest difference that you learned, or like, what was what? Yeah, what was the biggest difference between uh, what you experienced as a as a player, and then uh, as a coach? Well, when I was in high school, which was, which was, I think back before there was electricity, right? (laughs) Your high school coaches would pick up the phone and they would call colleges for you, especially when you went to them and said, I want to play ball further. Mm -hmm. And you had newspaper coverage, which again, you know, I don't even know if I've seen you with a newspaper in your hands, but there's been a handful of times. Right. Right. But (laughs) the way, the way people found out about you was the, the teams would call in the stats and you got into the box scores and the whole thing was about getting ink. And that's how you started getting kind of a local following. And that was where your opportunities came from. And then your coaches would pick up the phone and call and then recruiting processes started. And, um, I was very fortunate to be recruited by several schools. And then um, I wound up being fortunate enough to be able to go to Cornell. And I didn't have the SAT scores. I was close, but on average, even then Cornell was 1400. And I was a couple hundred points away. So baseball in effect, getting recruited and, and being able to go to that school and get that opportunity baseball added 200 points to my sat scores gotcha. that was the way i looked at it 
Yeah. What I didn't know to ask, and and this is getting to your point about what was different as you went further up, mm-hmm. was they recruited 32 of us for eight spots. Wow. Okay. All of us had places to go. All yeah. of us had, you know, fuller rides than what the Ivy Leagues could offer. Mm-hmm. We all showed up there, right? That was the first big, you're not in Kansas anymore moment. Okay. Was, was dear God, you mean I'm not, I'm not the apple of your eye. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah. Um, and, and so you had to kind of get outside yourself and find a way to make those teams. And then the further up you went, the, the harder it was, you had to be harder mentally. Um, I mean, I was, I was fortunate. I got to the double A level and, and was playing against guys that have been a major league field today, but you know, the month before the week before. Yeah. Everybody's awfully good at those levels mm-hmm. and the differences are very, very small. And no matter how much I wanted to grow four more inches and gain 15 more pounds, <laughs> I'm stuck at six foot 185 and there's nothing I could do about that. Yeah. Right. And so at some point, somebody has a little bit more off the bat. Somebody has, a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a smidgen more foot speed. Yeah. And to get to that upper level is, is you're, you're not just really good. You're insanely good. Yeah. And, and you've got something that gives you an edge that goes beyond it. And, and, you know, even if you're a 200 hitter in the major leagues, you're frigging in the major leagues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'll happily go there and hit 200. Mm-hmm. Um, now compare that to today in, in the environment that we have here and, and the ethic and, and the pay for programs, the, the professional ethic is being dropped on kids that aren't even in their teen years yet. Gotcha. And, and what concerns me is that the kids are getting a little jaded. They move teams every, you know, every, every fall and spring they're moving teams. Yeah. Um, their parents are paying insane amounts of money to be on some of these programs. They're, they're hearing everything that they have to do, but they're not stepping back and assessing. Yeah. So if mom and dad are both four foot six, your kid's not going to be six two one ninety. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to play Division One ball, no matter what anybody says to you, and no matter how much you spend. Yeah, and so they're not getting enough information. They're putting some insane pressures on these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the the kids don't have any sense of their own accomplishment because they're not having a season where they literally feel like they own the field. Yeah, you know, you had you had that one season where everything was right for you and you went on that insane hitting streak where nobody could take the bat out of your hands. Yeah. And you were on the mound and, and, and you earned every bit of that and you had that for yourself and you're always going to reach back and touch that and know that you were supremely confident when you walked on the field. Yeah. I think every, every kid should have that. Yeah. Now, if the minute you started hitting well, we turned around and said, okay, well, you're going up to majors elite mm-hmm. and now you're confronting somebody that's twice your physical size. Yeah. What did we just do to you? You know, I mean, we just, we, we just took you away from getting that sense of purpose and feeling that you can accomplish anything with hard work. Yeah. And, and so I just, I, I think parents don't have perspective. Gotcha. Um, I think it's hurting the kids because the kids are losing senses of accomplishment. Nothing's ever good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so bringing all that professionalism down and dropping it on people that just are not ready for it. Yeah. I think is harmful and I think it's damaging. Mm-hmm. 
and and, and I'm not sure I'm not sure how much that's going to change. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you look at if you were to show up at the cages and take a look at what's going on in the recreational cages, you'd be looking at me mm. and saying, um, "What's happening here?" Yeah. They don't seem as competitive as we were, and the answer is, is they're not. They're not getting good instruction. They're getting pressured. Mm. Nobody should be yelling at a six-year-old to swing harder. They don't even know which end of the bat to use. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. I mean, it, it is a game. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my biggest concern of what I see. And now that half of the kids that I teach are softball players, I see it on both sides. Gotcha. Um, and that, you know, it, it's, I, I work as much on their, on their psychological approach as I do on their physical approach now. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay, so last question. I know we're running a little bit long on time, but we're overall, um, what what do you think are the biggest? Or okay, how do you apply the all the all the lessons that you've learned through your baseball career to your everyday life? I think I've got a good sense of what's right and what's wrong. Okay. Um, I think I have a good sense of when not to push too much and when to step back personally. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I do all possible to find a way to get things done that works to people's greatest strengths. Um, and, and I kind of, you know, I'm optimistic, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you remember what we always used to say, win every game by one run or lose every game by one run. Yeah. Be in every game. I mean, mm -hmm. I think life's a lot of luck. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you come out one step ahead of everything else, I think you've done okay. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of, of those lessons, uh, I, I thank God for the people that taught me the game that gave up their time. Um, I, I'm, I'm very privileged for all the kids that I get to teach. Um, I, I mean, the just the singular honor of one of the kids that I taught interviewing me. I, this is my first podcast. I've never done this before. Very cool. Right? So, um, yeah. and I get to do that because of you. Mm. That means a whole lot. Yeah. Um, in, in just the arc of your life, that means a whole lot. And, and um I'm very thankful for that. So, you know, I just try to do, try to do the absolute best to let people know that I'm, that I'm trying to do the absolute best, ask for their absolute best mm. and then try to be honest about, you know, where it is, what can you do better? How do you make it better? Where's the accountability? Mm. Um, and, and then, you know, you go from there. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Thank you very much uh, for you know talking to me today. Uh, this was this was great, um, and yeah, I mean, just thank you also for everything that you did, you know, on the field for me uh, and off the field as well. Um, you know, there's a reason that I came to you uh, as one of the first people. So, thank you very much for that, and uh, yeah, have a great rest of your day. I guess. Yeah, my pleasure, Will. <laughs> very proud of you, bud. You stay thank safe. You. Thank you. Have a good one.